Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Listen to what I prayed. It's very specific because God knew that you were becoming when you decided to come, not before that. So sometimes I believe I prepare a message, and like this week, and then somewhere close to a Sunday, I just check in with God and say, God, is this still the message? Now you might think I hadn't listened then on whenever I prepared the message, but things change, and what changes is your decisions. Because either you decided to come or you decided you're not going to come, or you make plans, and I believe God knows those plans. He knows the plans He has for you. Of course He does. But he, 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 he can't force that on you. You still choose. Okay, everyone who didn't come here this morning, maybe they had good reason, but they chose not to be here. Okay? Um, we chose to be here. If you chose to join online, that was a decision. But God knew. And maybe you changed your decisions or, or, or something happened in the week. So we have to be constantly open to hear from God in all the days of our lives. Amen? It's so important. What happened if Abraham heard from God and never listened again and killed Isaac? You see, he was continuously listening to God. And that's really the life we get to live. We get to live this life where we hear him every step of the way. Now, this is the same with our Bible. We learn and we learn and we learn and we read and we study and we find out some things about God. But we can never stop. We can never stop. On Monday night, we started an online Bible, um, I won't say Bible school, but it's not a Bible school, it's a Bible study. And it was awesome. It was really awesome. I enjoyed it. And it's stuff that I've done before, but I shared it again. And it was just so fresh and new because it is a new way of looking at the Bible. And guess what? It's not new for God. It's new for us because a revelation means what has been is now revealed. What has already existed has now come to the forefront. So there's nothing new under the sun, the word says. So there's nothing new, but for us it's new. Oh, this church just teaches new things. Well, it's new for us. Or it's a different way. Of, it's, it's a new revelation, but it's not new for God. And the more I, I, I study things out, the more I see that God has forever planned Jesus. He's forever planned Him. Even I, I read at um, John 1. You see, you, 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 if you have about... No, don't, don't give numbers. If you have a few places in the Bible where something comes up and you see it's in the foundation, you see it's in the prophecies, you see it's in the Gospels, and then you see it's in the epistles, there's something there. There's doctrine there. There's something God wants to say that is in there. And we have to get that out. So then you go for it. And then as you read the Bible, you must constantly be aware that God wants to either confirm that or show you your error. Okay. As a pastor, I'm willing to be wrong. Because if I'm never willing to be wrong, I'll never grow. Okay? So that doesn't mean you shouldn't have confidence. I make very sure what I say before I say it. But it might mean that there's still room to grow. Amen? There's still room for increase, for more understanding. Because the Holy Spirit said, um, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is going to lead us. He's going to guide us. It means He's going to take us somewhere. Where is He going to take us? Into all truth. The truth about everything. And guess what? That takes a lot of truth. (laughs) Because there's a lot of everything. So it might take some time. And for us, growing up in South Africa, for me, there's some things I have to unlearn in order to relearn some new things. And that's not bad. It's just part of the process. And we've spoken about this truth about everything, the true reality. Um, And that's really the series that we're busy with, is our true reality. What is it that we're really busy with, part of, and should be uh, pursuing? And Jesus said it so clearly there that He really wants us to, 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 to share in this, this truth. So John 16 says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Okay, If you read your Bible, that is a verse that should be either highlighted or what is it that Jesus wants to say that He cannot say? So you think God is unlimited? Well, there He was limited. Why? Because it goes on and it says in verse 13, Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, 
for he shall receive of mine, and he will show it unto you. So he will show you all truth. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. Now, truth is truth, amen? A lot of people want to fight for truth. Truth can stand by itself, thank you very much. We, we, we co-labor with God. We don't fight for God. That's, that's different. God's not a fighter, amen? God is love. I mean, love is willing to fight, I'm sure. But this really speaks about the truth about everything. The truth about everything in verse 13. The Spirit is going to tell us the truth, all truth, the truth about everything. So that means everything should now be under your radar. Make sense? 2 Corinthians 5.17, we know it very well. It says that you are now a new creature, a new creation. When? When you believe in Jesus Christ and you receive His Spirit. It's not two things. When you believe, you receive. It's, it's when you believe, you receive. Not when you believe, you will receive. When you believe, you receive. So when you believe, you receive what? You receive the Spirit of God. Now you are a new creature. Okay, the King James uh, makes it a bit weird there. What is a creature? You're a new creation. You're a new species. You're different. You are different. If you are where? In Christ. How do you get into Christ? You believe. Because the Word clearly says, By the works of the law will no flesh be justified. But see, a lot of the church camped under the law for a very long time because we did not rightly divide, correctly understand, and skillfully apply the word of truth. We have to understand the Bible because that's our best effort. Amen? <laughs> that's God's words. You know, if someone misquotes you, you feel offended a little bit. Yes, I said that, but that's not what I meant. Or they take a little bit of what you said and they apply it. The journalists are great with that. And if you know the person or the athlete or whoever, then you know that's, not, that's probably not what they said. That sounds like clickbait. They, 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 they make it something that it's not, or they take it out of context. And we must be careful not to do that with God's Word. We have to rightly divide the Word of Truth. Two, um, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15 says, The Amplified says, We have to rightly divide. We have to correctly and skillfully apply the word of truth. If you read that, there's, there's a responsibility. Amen? There's a responsibility. We cannot just handle the word and throw out a verse and throw out a verse and shoot someone with a verse here and hit someone over the Bible. You need to skillfully, rightfully, can I say tactfully, in love, with precision, you need to handle this book. Why? Because otherwise you're going to start a cult or a crusade. And not the crusades, that, not a gospel crusade. You're going to kill people. People will die. That's how serious this is. We have to understand what Jesus is saying here. Because what he's saying here in John 16, it says, there is something that's really going on, but you cannot understand what's really going on. So if we read everything before the cross and we make doctrine out of that, then we miss out on a lot. You follow my logic? Jesus says, there's many more things I want to tell you, now what people do is they teach on healing and they go through all the miracles Jesus did. And no two are the same. Why not? Because what Jesus is trying to tell us is there's no recipe. But now people find that and they make recipe. If you bake bread and you bake bread different every time, will you get the same bread? Of course not. That's what Jesus is telling us. It's not about what you do, whether you spit in someone's eye, whether you make mud, whether they touch your hem of your garment. It's not about that. Because there's something more I want to tell you. Now He's telling us that when? After the cross. After the Spirit is poured out. Because everything has changed. So we read the Bible before the cross, and we read the story of the Bible. Real people did real things. Some swam, some was on a boat. Some sank, some... Like, there's different things that happened, and different things that happened to them. Different kingdoms, different nations. But the Word so clearly says, when we read Moses, and the veil remains, we will not see Christ. But when we turn to Jesus, the veil is removed, and now we read Moses, which means the first five books of the Bible, 
And now we'll see what it's really all about. What I'm challenging you and I'm challenging myself is everything has to be new. Everything. Once you got saved, everything has to go through that new filter. Everything. Not some things, not Sundays. We think Sundays, okay, now Sundays I, I give to, 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 to God. Well, not Sundays, not some days. It's everything. The truth about everything. You see, we're not a Sunday church. As a church, we gather on a Sunday because our calendar allows for that. In Albania, there's only one day weekend. What do you call that? Probably still weekend. It's the end of the week. <laughs> but there's only one day because their calendar, they work six days a week. Thank you for communism. No. They work six days a week. So it's difficult. There we have church on a Saturday. Not because we're Seventh-day Adventists. No, because that's what the calendar allows. In Acts 2, it says the believers went from house to house, day by day, every day. Now, some of you don't want to see each other every day. We're working on that. <laughs> the nicer we get, the more we'll have to spend time, want to spend time together. Okay, you guys with me? So, what is really going on? That's the question this morning. What is really going on? Isn't that a good question? A lot of people ask it. What is really going on? John 4 and verse 20 says, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. So Jesus walks to Samaria. He walks through Samaria, actually, and he meets a woman. He meets a woman at the well or the fountain. That fountain was uh, Jacob's fountain. And Jacob... Um, uh, they got it from Isaac, I believe. And that is where the Samaritans worship. They worship there because Jacob was there. Now, they have this conversation between Jesus and this woman. And, and she really asks Jesus, where should we worship? You guys, the Jews, you think we need to worship in Jerusalem. And we guys, the Samaritans, we think we need to worship here. Okay, so what is the well and what is Jerusalem? It's all on the natural plane. Amen. You can find it on Google Maps probably today. And what Jesus is telling her is both is wrong. You, you, you're not wrong, you're asking the wrong question. Because true worship is spiritual. He says those who worship must worship spiritually. Spiritual truth. Remember what Jesus said, the Spirit is going to lead us into all truth. Where does he say that? John 16. So the same author, the same book, probably a similar idea when he uses the same words in John 4, says what? Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Thank you God, because in Stellenbosch we are not close to Jerusalem this morning or to Samaria. But we're worshipping. Okay? It says, You worship you, um, you worship you know not what. What's it? Verse 22. You worship what you do not know. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Doesn't mean salvation is captured in the Jews, it means salvation came through the Jews because Jesus was born a Jew. There was a covenant with the Jews, and now salvation is freely available because salvation now is spiritual. So it cannot be stuck in Jerusalem. It cannot be stuck in a human um, nation or tribe because it is spiritual. But it came through the Jewish nation. It came in the body of Christ, and that body is now no longer a dust man body. It's no longer part of the first Adam lineage. Okay. You worship what you do not know. But the hour comes. The time is coming. And now is. When is that? 2,000 years ago, things changed. That's what Jesus is saying. And a lot of Christianity is still catching up. The hour is coming. Oh, you know, the, the hour is. When? When he spoke to the woman at the well 2,000 years ago. And he says, where the true worshippers will worship the Father. The true there is the, the real. So a lot of people are worshipping, but they're not really worshipping. They think they are. That's what he's saying. 
But the worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. The Father is seeking spiritual connections with His children. The Father is looking for those who want to enter into a new dimension, a new realm, a new creation, a new way of being, the spirit man. That's what God is wanting. So a lot of people are worshipping God, but not in the spirit. So is that true worship? He says the real worship is spiritual. Let's go on, verse 24. God is spirit. God is spirit. And those who worship must worship spiritual truth, spirit and truth, spirit and the spiritual truth about everything. What we can say is, if we take John 16 and we bring that thought back, those who worship must worship spiritually, which is in fact the true realm of everything. So what really what we see is primary but what we, what we experience spiritually is what it's really about. Now that gets difficult, doesn't it? Because we live in this world. I had to take out the, the garbage bin this week. We have to shower, we have to, to eat, and there's nothing spiritual about it. But Jesus prays in the same book in John 17, and He says, Father, I pray for them who's going to stay here. But I pray that they would know that we are one. So, what I say, if Jesus could do it, we can too. Jesus had to shower. I don't know if there were showers then. Praise God for showers, amen. That's one of the blessings we have. I'm like, I stand under the shower, I'm like, God, thank you for showers. <laughs> amen. It's such a blessing. Um, it's a blessing that all of you had a shower this week as well. Like, watch the movie in the week, and the, the guy asks the one next to him, he says, when last did you shower? When last did you wash? He says, about a month ago. <laughs> so you are, we, we are blessed that you had a shower, hopefully, this week. Um, you see what Jesus is conveying here to the woman. He says, lady, it's not really about the temple. It's not about your tribe. Because now that is confirmed to us in Galatians, where he says there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, but because we are all one in Christ. Now, today we sit here this morning and there's males and there's females in this room. Like, I'm not asking, I'm, I'm, I'm making a statement. <laughs> I'm telling you. Okay. So, how then do we apply that verse? It's a spiritual truth. So, in the spirit, there's neither male nor female. In heaven one day, the word says, we'll not be given in marriage. I'm very sad about that. I'm not going to, marry to be married to Natasha in heaven. Why? Because they will all be married to the Lamb. So he's not going to share. <laughs> he's a jealous lover. Amen? So what the world is doing, I wasn't planning on saying this, what the world is doing, they are taking spiritual truths because the Word says eternally, eternity is in our heart. So we have a hunger for real love, for instance. Because the one who made us wants to love us. So there's that. And you know when it's God's love and when it isn't. But the world now makes a fake. Amen? I remember growing up, we had fake Nikes and we had real Nikes. And we would count the ticks. And we worked out amongst our friend group what is a real Nike shoe and what is a fake. And then if someone gets new ones, the first you do is you try and, as they sit, you try and count. If your face says, I mean, that's just a stupid thing. But whatever is of value is usually counterfeited. You, you're with me? So God has agape. God is agape. God is love. Fatherly love. Unconditional love. Kindness. Action. Uh, long-suffering. Patience. Goodness. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and the Passion says, Love is a safe place of shelter. I love that. Love is a safe place of shelter. That's who God is. That's true love. Now, what does the world have? The world cannot give you that. That's spiritual. God is a spirit. God is a God. God is love. Now, what the world does, it needs to, to, to give you the fake, the counterfeit. So it comes up with things like lust. It comes up with falling in love, falling out of love. Now, if you can fall in love and fall out of love, then you can be saved and unsaved. 
because God is love. But you cannot. Because you are born from above. You're born of God. If you are, like, remember, I'm talking to people who has received Christ. If you haven't yet, that's fine. You're in the right place. Because you can only receive Him once you've heard the truth. I was listening to something in the week, and it was an interesting sermon, but it was nothing really with the gospel about what Jesus did in the sense of your forgiveness, your eternal salvation. And then right at the end, the guy just does an altar call. I'm like, the word says it's by the truth of the word that we are born again, that we are become planted into Christ. It is by the seed that we have new birth. So if you haven't shared seed, don't do an altar call. Because you're wasting everyone's time. Because that's going to be a, a phantom pregnancy. There has to be seed to be birth. And the seed of the word is the uncorruptible gospel. It is what Jesus came to do. And that's what I'm sharing with you this morning. Jesus came, yes, to forgive all your sins and so much more. Jesus came to give you a new, fresh start but you're not just going back to as a little baby before you sinned. No, because how far do you need to go back then? Jordan is not even two. He's mischievous. So how far does God have to go back for your born-again experience? And last week we spoke a little bit about being born again and how I don't like that. And then I realized that I used that same term again later on in the sermon. So we have to do some detox. Amen. We have to do some detox, and that's actually what I want to get into today. So, John 1, we're asking the question, what is really going on? John 1 and verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. This is just a, a downer statement, isn't that? He made the world, He was in the world, the world didn't know Him. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. Speaking about the Jews. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You don't have to do anything. What is the power to become a son of God? What do you need to do? How much should you confess? Where should you give? How many priests do you need? Well, that's not what the Bible says, because the Bible says, as many as received him, who received him? Those who believe. Okay, so we've dealt with this now for years, but we have to get this entrenched in our hearts. The salvation message is not about what you do, it's about what He did. What was done. Amen? But now what we're doing is, as we enter into salvation, we become spiritual beings, and now we need to live out this new creation life. We get to. You don't have to. You can live like the old man and die, and, and just go on with your life, and we'll see you in heaven, that's fine. Or you can join the adventure. Amen? You can live the spiritual life. I remember on, at school, I was a nominal Christian at school. I was a, a religious Christian at school. So what I did is I never sat at the back of the bus. Because that's where the naughty things happened. So what is it? Christians then are portrayed, or not portrayed, we were boring. We were boring. We were downers. We were dull. I promise you now, I'm, I'm more alive I'm more adventurous. I'm more fun, you can ask my wife, than I ever used to be. And it's not I, but it's Christ in me. Do you think Jesus was down and boring? There's this massive storm. Next moment he walks on the water. 5,000 men are hungry. Like, guys, think about it. If you're hungry, that's this mulekate. Times that by 5,000. Huh? Jesus doesn't go sit under a rock and pray. He says, let's sort this out. Who's got something? Oh no, there's bread and fish. Oh, not enough. I'll show you. Sit down. Thank you God for what I've got. Contentment is such a spiritual gift. Hebrews 13.5 says, be content with what you have. And we've made contentment to, be, to make peace with what you don't have. But right there in the verse it says, be content with what you have. Contentment is focusing on what you have. And what I'm saying that you've got is spiritual. You've got Christ. Because Hebrews 13.5 says it. He says, because you have Him. You don't have it. You don't have things. You have Him. And guess what? He will never leave you. Nor forsake you. Be content with what you have. 
Amen? We have to live this life. And I'm inviting you to this adventure. He came unto his own, his own received him not. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God to those who believe. Listen to verse 13. Which were born. What tense are we talking about? Past tense. So it's a once-off experience. You need to get this. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. No priest, no parent, no pressure can get you born again. Only the power of God can get you born again. The gospel. Because it's His will. They were born of God, if you take the verse correctly. Colossians 1.12 says, Give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us, removed us, transformed us, translated us out of the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption, not through your works, but through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So Adam was made in the image of God, but not in the invisible, in the visible. Genesis 1.27 God made Adam and Eve, and He said, let's make them in our image. In our likeness. But they were visible. Now it says Jesus is the first one who is made in the image of the invisible. The spirit man. And now Romans 8 says that we can now become brothers and sisters in Him. We think with Him, but it's actually in Him. Because we are now the church of whom? The eersgeborenes. That's the Afrikaans. The church of the firstborn, and we think the church of Christ. Yes, it's the church of Christ, but it's the church of you and Christ. Or it's the church of Christ and you. He's the head. But if you're in Him, we're all part of the same church, and it's the church of the firstborn. And that's what this verse is saying. The firstborn over all creation. See, I hope you didn't expect a little bit of milk and a few sweeties this morning, because you'll never get it here. My job is to equip you, to help you understand the Word. Amen? So that we can go out and live this life. He has translated you. And you are now part of an invisible creation. Yo, that's better news than what you guys are looking. You wanted all the health and wealth stuff. That's not enough. You have to have the spiritual food. The true reality. What, happens, what helps a man if he gets healed and goes to hell? Amen. No amens. Well, let's preach on. Listen to Galatians 2. This will get you excited. I have been crucified with Christ. So what does it mean? You're dead. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, correct translation, who loved me and gave Himself for me. That's the gospel. What is the gospel? God loved you so much that He gave Jesus and Jesus gave everything so that you can have everything. But what about my sin? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the propitiation, the payment for our sins. You see, Christianity is about so much more than sin. If you live to overcome sin, you're living carnally. I'm saying let's deal with that so we can live spiritually. You see, the gospel is so much more than just the forgiveness of sins. Yes, it includes the forgiveness. Praise God, my sins are forgiven. Amen? I'm so glad. Because there's some things there in my, my past that I'm not proud of. Amen? If you're proud of your past, well done. I'm not. But that's not an issue anymore. Because it's dealt with. It's forgiven. It was the old man. Now I got saved. So all things, everything has become fresh and new. So Ali Ogerantus is dead and gone the word says everything has become fresh and new but Peter what happens if I sin after I got saved that's a good question by the way because now everything is fresh and new I tell you it's a once off experience now what then 
Well, if his payment for your sins were 2,000 years ago, don't you think that all the sins that you were still to commit is covered in his payment? Because every sin that you would still do would be in Jesus' future. So whether it's before you got saved or after you got saved, it's still taken away, it's still forgiven. Hebrews 12 says, let's lay aside the weights that we carry around. Have you seen anyone do the comrades with a, a, a backpack full of bricks? We would think, how stupid. The comrades is an ultramarathon, ladies. 90 kilometers. One year uphill, next year downhill. Apparently downhill is worse. don't understand that. But anyways. You won't do it. You buy shoes that are light, and you buy shoes that are bouncy, and you take a little bit of um, water, but you're going to get more. You don't carry everything. But as Christians, we carry our backpacks with all our past. We carry these sins and the things. And I didn't get an ice cream cake when I was 10. And, and all these things we carry with us. And we take everything. I can't go to Albania because I don't have money. But if you do the comrades, if you do a marathon, you're not taking everything you need, are you? You're just taking what... And, and, and there's going to be water points. There's going to be refreshments on the way. God works like that. Because we're running a race. The word there in, in Hebrews 12 speaks about this, this agon. This marathon race that we're running. And we, Jesus says, take, don't take everything you need. If you've got two pairs of shoes, only take one. Why? Because you need to be light and agile and move around. Because I will give you as you go. Can I share with you a testimony from Albania? When Natasha and I went there in, um, I think it was 2018, 2019, around December, January. And we didn't have enough money. Okay? We had enough to get us there. But we didn't have enough to pay for accommodation. And when we thought we're going, we thought Carl and Alicia is going to give us accommodation. But what happened in between, Carl and Alicia had a baby, so the house was full, so there wasn't room for accommodation. So they booked us accommodation, but we had to pay for it. Now we arrive there, and we don't have the money to pay for accommodation. I promise you, I don't want to sleep on the streets of Albania. There's a lot of things in Albania. The mafia is one of them. And we arrive there. I'm nervous. How are we going to pay? And they give us the keys. And they take us in. And they leave. I'm like, okay, when are they going to come ask for the money? You know, if you come into Pratia Hotel, you're going to pay. <laughs> you're going to give your credit card, whatever, before they give you your keys. We stayed there for, I think, seven days. No one asked for the money. Now we're leaving the next day. We haven't paid. That morning that we wake up, bags basically packed, we're leaving, money comes into our account. And as we give the keys, they say, okay, thank you, sir, you need to pay now. I had the money. If I waited for the money to go, I would never have gone. But God knew, guess what, better than I did. He knew that Albania accommodation works different to South African accommodation. He knew when I needed the funds. I thought I needed it when we arrived. He knew I'd only need it when I leave. And I had it when I needed it. You see, this is a different life. That's why I say it's adventure. It doesn't make sense. You have to get out of the carnal mind. My part my goed groot gemaakt. You budget. You work. You plan. You don't get yourself into trouble. But I have, a, I have a, a, another father. <laughs> A spiritual father. And he says, lay aside the weights. He says, and the sin. So yes, it means stop sinning, but it also means move on from sin. Let's graduate as Christians into a spiritual realm. Because most sins is carnal. Even sexual sin, the word says, is in your body. Your body's going to stay here. So there's so much more that we get to live as spiritual beings than merely getting stuck in the dust and the mud of this carnal world. And that's really why the gospel is such good news, because it's inviting you to something so, more, so much more. Let's give you some verses to meditate on. 1 John 5. 1 John 5. Everyone who believes with a deep and abiding trust in the fact that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone who believes... Again, not do, believe. What? 
that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed, the Messiah, the Son of God. He is what? Born? Again, no. Yes, you have a second birth, but it's not a second of the same. This is so key. <laughs> because if you get born again, you get a fresh, uh, clean slate, then you're going to need a fresh, clean slate, depending on how holy you are. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. Maybe this afternoon. Maybe if you burn the meat this afternoon. then You see, but it's born of God. Everyone who loves Him, who begot, He begot you. He birthed you. Also loves Him who is begotten of Him. That means we love the church and we love Christ. Born from God. Born from above. Spiritually transformed, renewed, set apart. Verse 4. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And how do we do it? Faith. Overcomes is over. So there's a world, natural plane. But we overcome that world because we are born from above. We are not trying to fight our way into heaven. We are now seated in Christ in heavenly places. To Ephesians 2 and the 6 says, So now we have already overcome. You see, but the carnal man doesn't like load shedding. Because it gets warm. And I don't know about you, but I had four mosquitoes in my room last night. I don't miss mosquitoes in winter. I celebrate that they're not there. Amen? If you have load shedding, you can't put on the fan. So the mosquitoes have a party. No? You can't switch on the light to squash them because it's load shedding. There's not going to be mosquitoes in heaven. Amen? So in the new man, I have overcome the problem of this world. But it's a mindset now. Because now I can sit there and think, oh, I'm going to be so tired, this mosquito and this mosquito. Or I can just lie there and I can enjoy time with God while the mosquito is trying to... You tell Jordan, fang mosquito, Marcus. Why? Because he's seen that, <laughs> obviously. We have overcome this world. Why? Because we are born from above. Wherein is our victory? In our faith. This is the victory that overcomes and conquers the world. Now that means that is because we believe. Who is the one who is victorious and overcomes the world? Verse 5. But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Can I, can I share with you a secret? If you're in Christ, you experience something that no one outside of Christ can ever experience. Think about, think about that. Whether you've always wanted to go to Dubai, or Las Vegas, or New York, or drive a Formula One car, or jump out of an airplane, the world can do that. If you have enough money, you can do that. You can get there. But if you don't have Christ, you cannot do this. You cannot experience this true life. You cannot live from above. You cannot live in a way that overcomes the world. People with a lot of money have a lot of worries. I mean, let's have a church with a lot of money because we can go many places. Amen? I'm not against money. I'm not against you having money. But let not money have you. Amen? We are born of a different place. Verse 10. The one who believes in the Son of God, who adheres to, trusts in, and relies confidently on Him as Savior, has the testimony within Himself, because He can speak authoritatively. He knows Christ. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in Himself. The witness, you'll be witnesses unto me, Acts 1.8. He who does not believe, God has made him a liar. Why? Because the, 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 everyone, the whole creation speaks about God, and now you say, I don't need Him. Well, now you're lying, because you need Him, because He made you to need Him. Because he wanted to love you. Why? Because he's not believed the testimony, the gospel of his son. Now what it says here is, once you've believed, you not only receive salvation, new life, forgiveness, you receive the testimony. You receive the spirit, and now because you're born again, you're a spirit man, and now you can produce after your kind, your new kind, and you can have more spiritual sons and daughters. 
So you need to share a gospel message, a spiritual truth, to get into that spiritual realm. Let's skip that. What's the original sin? It's discontentment. It was not wanting to live and worship uh, invisible, but rather looking at these fruits, good to the eyes, good to touch, good to taste, good to see, good to feel, desirable to make one wise. Same thing. We're still living in that. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Three things Jesus was tempted with. So Jesus in his temptation shows the devil that, listen, I'm not going to bow down to the natural man level. Yes, I came into the son of the son of man, but I am the son of God. I'm living in a spiritual reality. Man will not live by bread alone, physical, but by every word spoken by God, spiritual. This afternoon when we're going out on the streets, we give people a sandwich and say, guess what, you're going to be hungry again tomorrow. It's not good news, Peter. I thought you got to share good news. That's the truth. But I can give you something that will make sure that you never ever have a spiritual hunger again. Can I tell you about Jesus? Meeting a carnal man on a carnal level, but like Jesus at the well, telling the woman, give me a drink of water. Jesus was thirsty, of course he was. He was hungry. He sent his disciples to buy food, if you read the story. They come back, he doesn't eat. Why? He says, you have, I have food you, know of, you don't know of, which is to do the will of my Father. Paul is a great example. We don't worship Paul. Please, we don't worship Paul. We worship Christ. We worship the Father. We worship them in spirit. But Paul is a great example of someone who lived out of the carnal and in the spiritual. Who lived in a spiritual reality more than a carnal reality. He sits in a jail. Let's go to Paul's moor and let's put a sewage pipe through it. That's where Paul was. And he says, I rejoice always. Paul, what's wrong with you? I live in the Spirit. I don't live here. Yes, I smell this, I feel this. I bear in my body the marks, he says in the end of Galatians. He says, I've given this body, but I've given it for a spiritual cause, for an eternal cause. I give this money. He says, many we make rich, we have nothing ourselves. What does he mean? We give them Christ. We give something of eternal value. Now the problem is 1 John 5:19 we know that we are of God and the world the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You see that's the problem we live different to this world. And even in John 3 Monday night in the Bible study I told us I taught how to rightly divide the word of truth and you cannot put John in the same category as Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I would say Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, Acts, that's one category. But John has so many spiritual, eternal revelations that he gives us while telling the story of Jesus. But he's written it much later. It's almost like an epistle, but it, 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 it carries, or what carries it is the, the gospel message of Jesus' life, burial, death, and resurrection. But he tells us, he, he gives commentary. If you read Luke, you're watching a rugby match without commentary. If you read John, you listen to the halftime talk, you listen to the match afterwards, you listen to, ladies, that's very important, by the way. You hear the captain speak, that's what it's all about. John gives you all the insights, not just the game. So I love John for that reason, also because he understood the love of God, and he says, it's not I who love God, but God who loves me. So he gives us that revelation. We know that we are of God. Do you know that? Are you of God? If you're not sure, make sure. Today is your day. Make sure. If you're not of God, make sure that you're of God. And if you're sure that you are, live like it. Amen? Because all things have become new for them who are in Christ Jesus. Your purpose, your passion, your desires, everything should be fresh and new. But we live in a world that's not like that. That's why they think we're crazy. Because we do things that doesn't make sense to the carnal man. Or they think you're weird and wonderful. Sometimes weird, sometimes wonderful. 
that's okay. We don't live to, to please people. We live to, for the audience of one. What would Jesus do? It's not about not sinning. Jesus wouldn't sin. Of course not. But he would love. He would touch a leper. He would raise the dead. He would give of himself. He would, he would um, on the cross, what an what a example. If there's one place to be selfish, it's at your execution, isn't it? <laughs> Think about it. You are going through all the pain. You are going to die now. And he looks at John. He says, John, this is your mother. He says, mother, this is your son. He loves beyond himself. Why is John the only disciple there? He understood it's about God's love for him. Not his love for God. Peter isn't there. Put it back as a banner black. Luke isn't there. None of the other guys are there. But who's there? John is there. Because George, John saw beyond the carnal. He saw beyond the flesh. He saw beyond the pain. And then we read John. We pick, pick, pick up that, let's call it a gospel, because the gospel is so entrenched in there. And it's entrenched. It is dripping with spiritual good news. The love of who God is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made. And everything that was made was made of Him and for Him and through Him. In this is we know that God loves us. The law came by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It's just, it's just packed. We've tried to, to, to do a, a series on John. It will take years. It will take years. So I'll just give you snippets. It is so drenched with His goodness. And then we have one, first, second, third John, and Revelation, all by the same author. Why? Because he understood the love of God. He understood the love of God. He understood that it's not about Him. And again, John 3, very, very famous verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son, that whosoever believes on Him will not perish, but have eternal, everlasting life. Who said that? Jesus. To whom did He say it? See, this is how you study the Word. He said it to Nicodemus. Who was Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a teacher of teachers. Meaning he knew the Old Testament. Basically, he could recite it. He could teach it. He taught others. He discipled others. They were the first disciples. And Jesus says, guess what, Nicodemus? You missed the point. You know the Bible, the Old Testament, as we, they do it. But you, you, you're reading it with a veil. You're reading the carnal story, the history of Israel. He says, if you as a teacher don't know these things, what is he saying? How will you teach others? And he says, Nicodemus, guess what? Nicodemus, you have to be born again. You have to have a second birth. And Nicodemus is an old man and he says, but I don't know if his mom is still alive, but he says, how should I, an old man, enter into my mother's womb a second time? He literally says that to Jesus. It's only in the book of John, by the way, because John was always close to where Jesus was. John 17, where Jesus prays for us before the cross. It's only in John. It's not in the others, because John was listening. He was always close. He was always listening. He was always just an earshot away from Jesus, never further. So he hears when Jesus speaks to Nicodemus. He's probably hiding somewhere or in a closet. He's listening, because he wants to, to learn of this master. And he says, John, um, Nicodemus... You have to be born again. And we have that problem in the King James. Because John 3 and verse 3, he says the word born again. If you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. If you stop sinning, you'll see the kingdom of God. If you live more holy, you'll see the kingdom of God. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, unless you have a second birth... What is that second birth? It is a spiritual birth. The words are born again, born from above, born of God. I showed you, same author, 1 John 5, speaks it, he clarifies it for us. He says you have to be born out of God. Spiritual realm. You have to be born of God. Now, the word in the Greek is enothen, which according to Strong's Concordance has been derived from the Greek word eno, uh, which means up, above, or high. Pretty cool. You have to be born again. You have to be born up. You have to be born high. You have to be born from above. 
So again, it's not a good translation. It's again a second time, but in a different way. That's important. You're born again a second time, but in a different way. The usage of the word anothen is first translated by Strong's to mean from above. Then uh, some of the other guys says it's also from above, from a higher place, a second time. So I want to just read you my translation of John 3.3. It says, which would be um, a man has to be born from above. Now if we take scripture and we look at it in different places, that is what the concept of born again is. It is have a spiritual birth, a godly birth, a born from above, gone of God. Above means a higher realm. You are seated above only and not below. And then what do people do? They make that carnal and they think they're the boss. You're seated above, you're seated in the spiritual. Now have and rule and reign in the natural. John 5, 17. By this will you reign in life. Who reigns in life? Those who receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in this life. Wow, through Christ. Through what He did, through His righteousness. 1 John 5 and verse 20. I'm closing with this. It says, We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. Same author, John 16. Jesus says, there's many more things I want to give you. There's many more things I want to say. There's many more things I want to explain, but I cannot do it now. Now, he says, we have an understanding. That we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. Who was in Jesus when He walked the earth? Was Peter? Was Matthew? Was John? No, the Spirit. So there's something that changes after the cross because now we're all in Him, but we're not in Jesus the man of Nazareth, we're in Jesus the Spirit, Son of God. And guess what? He is in us. All things have become new. All things have changed into something better. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Everything has changed into something better. It's not just new and fresh, it's better. We are in Him who is true. He is in us, we are in Him. And in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God. This is eternal life. Eternal life is not sometime when you die. Eternal means forever, unending. The unending life starts when you receive the unending Spirit, which is life the life of God, the source of our existence. If you want to live forever, you have to be spiritual. Not live spiritual, be born of the Spirit. Let's stand together. Let's close our eyes as I pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we get to to delve into your word and we can see things, Father, that will help us understand, help us live as victors, victors in this world, that we know that those who are born of God overcome the world that we are overcomers father that we are above the problems of this world father that we live for more than just merely trying to live good lives that we are invited into the adventure of not just a lifetime but the greatest adventure in all eternity thank you that if we are born of god father that you've given us everything fresh and new yes lord we live in this life and help us to navigate through the natural world Father, as spiritual beings, living in carnal bodies still, Father, that will be renewed at your second coming. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is our example, that he is our redeemer, that he is our kinsman, that he is the one who who shows us the way, Father. And that way is more than what we can see in the Jesus of Nazareth, Father. But that, that way is what we see in the spiritual man, the revealed king the revelation of christ father that there is one who is god and that we are now in him father if we are born again how do we get born again how do we get born from above how do we get born a second time spiritually this time we need to receive the gospel message the power of salvation we need to believe in our hearts 
And we need to confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ came. He lived in a body. He was anointed by the Spirit of God. Yes, He died. And the Spirit side of Him went into heaven, went into hell, and made a a, a victory there for us. Came back and then went into um, the resurrected Christ body. That body is now ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father. And from there He poured out His Spirit so that we all who believe that Jesus came, that Jesus died, that Jesus is arisen, that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is victorious, can now say, Yes, Lord, I believe that. I make Him captain, Lord, commander of my life. I receive His forgiveness. I receive the payment for all my sins. I receive and I walk through right now the open door to my salvation, which means it's a new birth. I just see this picture so clearly. If this is for you, just walk in your spirit, in your inner man. Just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And you just walk through that door. You walk into the spiritual realm. You walk into the heavenlies, the word says. You walk into a new dimension. And as you look around, you feel light. You feel alive. You feel and you see that those who are around you are similar to you. They are light. They're alive. They, 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 there's no real worries there. There's a joy because the word says that Jesus was anointed with the spirit of gladness beyond measure. <laughs> it's fun to be a Christian. Amen. There's a joy to that. There's an adventure to live. There's power. And as you look around, you just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that everything is now fresh and new. Father, thank you that you have, you've given this to me free of charge. That Christ has paid and paved the way that I can just enjoy your gift. Free gift of righteousness. Free gift of redemption. Justification. The word actually speaks about a regeneration. So your old man is being regenerated into a spiritual life-giving force. The first man was carnal. The second man, the second Adam, is a life-giving spirit. That's who we are in Him. We are life-giving spirits. You have a purpose. You have a calling. You have a destiny. You have a reason to be alive. You have a reason, and it is not just to receive the love of God, which is awesome, but that you can be and live like the life-giving spirit that you are. Yes, in this world. Because that's where the zombies live. That's where dead people walk, and we need to share with them the life source. We need to get into them the Spirit of God. Why? Because they need to stop sinning? No, because they need to be alive. It's not about doing right or wrong. It's whether you are dead or alive. That's the message. That's good news. Hey, you've been missing out on the Spirit of God living in you, never to leave you, always abiding. Some people get so nervous when you say that because they don't want God to go where they go. They don't want God to see what they see. He's everywhere. (laughs) He already knows. He already sees. At my lowest point, that's where God loved me so much that I just handed over the keys to my life. And I said, God, this is now yours. Now I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to stop making my own plans. I'm going to stop trying to live holy. I'm going to stop trying to be a good Christian. Lord, I'm going to just receive. I'm going to sit and receive this new life. I'm going to receive the spiritual reality. I'm going to walk into a newness of life. And Lord, yeah, it's going to take time. I need to renew my mind. I need to change some things. I need to stop sinning. But guess what? Colossians 3 says, you are now a new person. You're a new creation. You live above, not below. You're in heaven. So yes, guess what? You're now a new creation. So stop living like the old creation. If you don't, it doesn't change your creation. You just get caught up in the old. But it's not going to cause a death to the spirit man. You just live as you renew your mind more according to the new creature, the new creation that you are in Christ. What's your potential? Jesus. We can live like Jesus. He said it. If you don't believe it, then you make Jesus a liar. You can do do what I did and greater things. Why? Because I go to my father that's why not because you're so great no because when he goes to his father he's going to pour out the spirit has jesus gone to his father yes he has has he poured out the spirit yes he has have you received it 
I can't answer that for you. You need to answer that for yourself. Christ is in me. I'm 100% sure of that. Is Christ living in you? Is He living in you? You have to be so sure. If you're not, just say, Lord, come in. Lord, make me alive. I'm fed up. I tried enough. I had enough. I've done enough. Good and bad. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. Lord, I now just want to receive. I receive your spirit. And with that, I receive forgiveness. With that, I receive redemption. I receive a new mind, the mind of Christ, a new life, the life of Christ, a new purpose, the purpose of Christ, a new calling, the calling of Christ, a new destiny, the destiny of Christ. You see, everything has become fresh and new. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.